Welcome to The Forecast. I'm your host, Carly Harmson. As a licensed master esthetician with nearly two decades of experience, I feel confident to meet you here every week to educate about the latest trends and must-have products, as well as to decode the science and demystify the overwhelming world of skincare. Whether you're a wide-eyed, curious beginner or you're a veteran skincare pro, this is the podcast for you. So grab your favorite face mask and discover with me someone who's not only a skincare guru, but also a card-carrying member of Skincare Obsessed, just like you. Get ready for this episode of The Podcast, starting now. Hello, I hope you are all staying warm and cozy and safe as we are kind of at peak winter. Everybody's staying hydrated, keeping the skin moist. I know how much we love that word. Today, I'm so excited to talk about some of the viral trends that we've seen in places like TikTok, skin talk as it's it's known in this space as. So I've I've named this series Victim of Viral Skincare. So I hope for this to be a recurring segment on the podcast where I discuss TikTok trends specifically, and if there's any validity or real reason or purpose to try out this this product or trend in your in your own routine. Being in the business as long as I have, I've seen a lot. I've worked as an esthetician through two recessions, one global pandemic, and more. And I've seen products, treatments, and ingredients ebb and flow. But what I hadn't seen until the last couple of years, is the absolute chokehold social media influencing has on us collectively. Listen, there was a time when I was consuming content by some influencer about skincare, and I asked myself, oh, do I need this? I literally had to like stop and slap some sense into myself and say, no, I don't need this. That is the power and influence of social media. Particularly, I've seen viral trends move like wildflower, especially on platforms like TikTok. So today, I'm here to ask, no plead, that you do not become a victim of viral skincare. I coined that phrase back in 2020 as I saw people bored in their house, in their house bored, start to do wild things to their skin. So I want to go over a few of the viral trends I'm seeing, and I'm here to debunk them or suggest another option that is more appropriate and skin friendly or say thumbs up, I'm on board. I'd love to hear from you of viral skin trends that you're seeing as I plan to make this a regular series so that we can all stay on top of what is being perpetuated out there. So let's get into it. First, we'll start with skin flooding. You know, I'm I'm into it. As with all of these trends, though, it's never a one-size-fits-all. Skin flooding is a technique of applying skincare in a particular order of layers with hydration to quench thirsty skin. So why would one do this? Well, there's, there's probably a few different ideas or school of thought. I'm unsure where the skin flooding phrase originated. If anyone knows, hit me up and let me know. Could it have been a marketing strategy to sell more product? Possibly. Was it inspired by K-beauty or Kareem beauty? It looks like it could have been. After all, a tenant of 
K-Beauty is hydrated, hydrated skin. It's almost a wet, glossy or glass skin. Is this how I have been coaching clients over my career to apply their skincare? Uh, yeah, just didn't have the cute name to go with it. It seems to me it's a trendy new buzzword to describe what estheticians have been teaching their clients all along. So it looks like this. After cleansing, rehydrate your skin with a hydrating mist, a toner, or an essence appropriate for your skin. This will help to even the porosity of the skin, or in other words, make an even layer of hydration so that it any actives or treatments that are applied can evenly apply and then penetrate. Apply serums in order of lightest to thickest and seal in with a moisturizer and an SPF during the day or a night cream at night. That's it. So with the viral TikTok trend of skin flooding, it almost always includes some layer of hyaluronic acid. Hyaluronic acid is a naturally occurring substance found abundantly in the skin that hydrates and plumps the skin and is also a necessary component of our skin barrier. Check out my episode five, I think it is, to learn more about that all-important moisture barrier. Now, I've heard some noise in the space that not everyone should use hyaluronic acid, especially dry skin in dry climates. The reasoning behind this is that hyaluronic acid is a humectant that binds water to itself. It's thought that hyaluronic acid can hold up to a thousand times its weight in water. So if you're dry skin in a dry climate, i.e., example, low humidity environment, like I am in Utah, then where does this molecule pull its water from? And the theory is that it could pull ultimately from deeper layers of the skin, which could lead to drying out the skin. So those that are saying you shouldn't use hyaluronic acid in a dry climate, are they're not entirely wrong to question this, but it can be argued that those people, <clears throat> uh, again, me, we need hydration even more. So there are some best practices when using something like hyaluronic acid, really for everybody, but especially those of us in dry climate, and that is that water has to be present anytime you use hyaluronic acid. In fact, I train professionals and, and coach clients to always wet their fingertips and mix with their hyaluronic acid serum or cream and apply over wet skin, you know, wet the skin by water, toner or essence, but wet skin. And this should be the standard best practice for hyaluronic acid specifically all the time, but it is technically a, a form of skin flooding. So who should not skin flood? The main skin type I think of is oily acne prone skin. Unfortunately, there, there is a type of acne we can see known as fungal acne. This can be a result of a microbial imbalance in the skin, skin microbiome. I talk about it a lot, it's important. So this microbial imbalance in the skin could contribute or be a result of an overgrowth of candida in the body or, and or the skin. So what does fungus love? Moisture, wet environments. This skin flooding practice can create an ideal environment for that fungus to thrive, which can result in many skin issues, including that fungal type of acne. I'll add that oily skin tends to not like the feeling of skin flooding because of all of the layers and product on the skin. So it can sometimes feel tacky or wet or heavy. So just from a preference point of view, oily skin probably is not an ideal skin type for this. Also, I'll add skin minimalist 
those are, you know, the product, the clients that want one or two products plus an SPF that like does everything. So they're not going to entertain a multi-step layering routine, which is what skin flooding would require. Overall, I think this approach to applying skincare is a-okay for most people. But if you try it and you don't like it, that's okay. You don't have to do it. For those of you that do, do it, do it. If you like it, do it. I'm all for it. All right, next up is skin cycling. Skin cycling was coined by one of my favorite educators in the space. She's also a board certified dermatologist, Dr. Whitney Bow. Skin cycling is a method of cycling through the use of actives, particularly retinol or its prescription big sister, tretinoin, and chemical exfoliators like glycolic or salicylic acid. The idea here is that you're easing your skin into the use of these products, which normally have side effects. So by cycling these products and allowing some days of rest and recovery, it can help to mitigate some of those side effects. Again, on this trend, I don't hate it. So the classic version of this would be to use an exfoliator, ideally a chemical one with hydroxy acids on night one, retinol or tretinoin on night two, and then a hydrating moisturizer on night three and four. Like many estheticians, we've been coaching our clients on a version of this for years. We just have this fun, trendy name to go with it now. <laughs> While my recommendation for use of retinol doesn't follow a specific number of days like this, I have over the years recommended a variety of skincare programs, always customized to that individual that might look like using retinol every third night for a few weeks while acclimating the skin and gradually increasing to every other night. And in some cases, every night, I might work an acid toner into a routine to be used in the mornings after cleansing, or maybe an AHA or enzyme mask once or twice a week. So this is much more aggressive than the, the classic four night skin cycling as it's intended to improve the barrier. So there are some clients I, I would recommend this for definitely. So who's hating on this method and why? There are diehard retinol and tretinoin users or prescribers out there that think that every fourth day for a ret or tret is just too infrequent to really see any results in the skin. So they find this cycling to be ineffective. Some are in the camp of suck it up, deal with the side effects, it'll be worth it in the end, you know, more pain, more reward. <laughs> use the damn product every day. And others are in the camp, me, I'm in this camp, which is always suggesting to acclimate the skin to retinol or tretinoin by starting with lower concentration and working up into frequency. So again, we can potentially mitigate some, some of these side effects. I find that people overall, collectively, if they experience a lot of irritation, flaking, peeling, red skin from retinol or tretinoin, they're a lot less likely to use it consistently. So to use it less frequently, but more consistently, if that makes sense, I think is a better strategy. This alternative approach, what I just mentioned, could technically be a, a skin cycling philosophy or could include a skin cycling philosophy. So stay tuned for an episode coming soon to talk all about vitamin A, retinol, and tretinoin. All right, let's talk about other TikTok trends I'm seeing out in this space. Skin streaming. Love. I know as a person who makes a living 
selling skincare. This seems like counterproductive, but let me just say that many people, most people that are doing skincare routines are doing too damn much. In one of my first episodes, I talked about what I foresee being the biggest trends and shifts in skincare this year, and skin streaming or skin minimalism is one of them. Gone are the days that people are spending the time and money to have a 12-step routine. I'm sure there's a few people out there that do that. I have a girlfriend that this is her treat to herself every day is to spend an hour in her vanity doing her skincare. <laughs> so I respect that too. But for the most part, people are not doing that. And we need to have other solutions available for them as professionals. And for those of you that are interested, you need to know it's okay if you don't have a big vanity, a shelfie full of skincare. While Sephora teens using junk elephant haven't got that memo yet, we're no longer quarantined to our house with nothing to do but spend an hour doing skincare. We also don't have that stimulus check anymore, which maybe helped to increase our beauty budgets. So that's gone. And there's definitely some economic strain right now that I'm hearing from a lot of spa professionals is affecting their client's budget and their ability to buy skincare. That is a shift. Y'all are probably longing for, many of us are longing for like more multifunctional products that just can do more. And you're not alone. Spending hundreds or thousands of dollars in skincare like the past couple of years, is, it's just not happening anymore in this economy. Forget it. But aside from the economy, the collective skin barrier has been decimated by just doing too much. So refining the routine in many cases is, is probably a good idea for a lot of people. Put down the, the Schmordinary AHA BHA peeling solution, 30% and no one will get hurt. <laughs> All right, next up is Gua Sha. So Gua Sha's definitely had a viral moment. While I like Gua Sha because it, it does feel good, it's a great little practice of self-love. It it can potentially help to depuff the skin. The jury is really out on if you can actually like soften wrinkles or reduce signs of aging. Depuffing is certainly a, a result many are after, and Gua Sha can help potentially with that. Many of the viral videos though that I'm seeing and demonstrating a Gua Sha the technique is incorrect. If you're trying to depuff what you're seeing out on the social media, those techniques are not quite right. So in other words, if you want to relax and you want to soften your muscles, then using firm pressure would be appropriate. But if you want to depuff, which I think is the better goal with this tool, if you want to depuff and detoxify the skin by moving stagnant fluid and lymph, then you want to actually use lighter pressure. That's because lymph is very superficial and it's actually above the muscles. So if you're pushing down to the muscles, you're, you're kind of collapsing those very delicate lymph channels. We want to keep a light pressure so that we can keep those lymph channels moving and activated without kind of crushing them like we do with a firm massage. So it only requires like a light pumping pressure to move and and we might actually see a reduction in puffiness and a con contouring of the face or getting that jawline snatched. Dermaplaning, dermaplaning has rose in popularity and we are seeing content and videos being made all the time. 
with an estimated 4.2 billion views in 2023, there is a high interest in this treatment. Let me just say what most tools that, you know, every Jane and Joe have access to and are using are not, in fact, a legitimate dermaplaning tool. The tool I have been trained to use and use and other estheticians and medical providers use is a single-use sterile stainless steel blade. It's like a scalpel blade, and it is comes with a very sharp edge, and that allows us to remove not only vellus hair, also known as peach fuzz, but it allows us to remove clusters of dead skin cells, and done with good technique, we, we, there's no trauma to the skin. This is an important distinction to what is available and being used by the masses. The blade that is available to consumers mainstream is not nearly as sharp, and even a lot of them, they come with handles already, they have safety mechanisms like ridged blades to prevent Jane and Joe from cutting themselves, like slicing their skin. Also, those home dermaplaning tools, it's not clear that they should be single use. So many people are reusing them and that is a disaster waiting to happen uh, if that blade is contaminated with some type of bacteria. So effectively, those that are dermaplaning at home are probably more like shaving at home. A true professional dermaplaning, again, uses each blade as single use. They dispose of it properly in a sharps container when done with treatment, and they protect the clients and themselves by wearing gloves in case of a nick or a cut is made in the skin, which, which can happen. So while I'm a fan of dermaplaning for many skin types and conditions, again, not for everybody, I am not a fan of home or DIY dermaplaning. Just don't. I think you should just leave this to the professionals. Treat yourself every you know, other month if budget's a concern to get a treatment. There are estheticians out there that will just do a dermaplane with no full facial treatment uh, so that it can be a little bit more affordable. So look for them. If you want to shave your face, by all means, go for it. I do suggest you get a new blade every time or a new handle. I don't love that we might have landfills filling up with pixie razors, but if you want that smooth face, go for it. This is really what people most love about dermaplaning is like the hairless, smooth texture. So do that at home and then leave the true dermaplaning to the professionals. All right, that does it for me today. Tell me what you want to see more about what viral trends you see out in your in your feed that you want to know if it's legit, if it's a trick or it's an ick, let me know. And we'll do another part in this series in a couple of months. So let me know by DM or email. And just a friendly reminder, don't be a victim of viral skincare. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of The Podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to share it with a bestie or on your socials. And if you love the episode, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Your positive feedback means so much to me. You can connect with me at The Real Best Statistician on Instagram or The Best Statistician anywhere else. And hey, babe, this week's forecast looks like clear with a chance of glow. See you next time.